Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. We got some news to discuss, right? Yes, we do. And uh, I mean, something that I think quietly we all sort of kind of figured was coming. But at the same time, you know how it is. Then when, when the reality hits you, it's like, oh, wow, OK, so now it's real. Yeah, but, uh, you know, Don Mattingly won't be back. And we suspected that as soon as, uh, especially as soon as the season kind of went sideways and, and started going the route it's taken, you kind of figured that they might make a change. And, you know, a lot to unpack there over the past few years and just the way that, unfortunately, not just this season, but things haven't turned out the way, the way you know, the way they would have hoped the past four years. And, and and really just never materialized the way that the franchise was hoping that by now maybe this would have been a team that was at the very least contending to be a playoff team con- on a consistent basis. I mean, yeah, people will point to the the shortened season as a blip, but that's really what it was because now look you know, the way we're at. But, um, you know, Donnie's been, you know, same as he was as a player, you know, class act, steady guy throughout this whole thing. And been a been a good presence there for for a while now for and, and the longest tenured manager they've ever had it's funny after all the, all the years of the jo- the running joke was they trade managers every two years well look he stuck it out longer than most and probably through one of the most difficult times that um that they've been able to that, that they've had to go through really as a franchise you know that, i mean there's been some rough patches in the history of this franchise but this is definitely one of the one of the rough ones for sure and and you know, we'll see what's next for him. You know, you're talking like we're talking right now. This isn't we're not just looking at him as Marlins manager. This is one of the all time greats in baseball and and a guy who can offer a lot to a team, whether it's, you know, even if it's not in a managerial capacity, let's say if the next step is as a hitting coach, an instructor, you name it, or just, you know, some in some way, a wealth of baseball knowledge that would benefit, you know, any other franchise if he, if he, if that is what he chooses to do. And you know, personally, I, you know, I, I wish him the best because he's always been great to me. He's always, uh, you know, and I, you know, I, I don't like crossing that line and saying that too much. But, you know, I did. I've always admired and respected him since I watched him with the Yankees as a kid and all of that. And, you know, it, it was a, it was great covering him the years that I did. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah. So Don Mattingly, the Marlins, they on Sunday prior to their series finale with Nats mutually announced that. They're not neither side seeking the contract extension, which, as Dre mentioned, 
felt inevitable. It was just a matter of what the timing was going to be. Were they going to announce it during the season? Were they going to wait until October 6th, the day after the season ended, to make it formal? And the logic for doing it now, it made sense. Again, the Marlins know that the season is all but done for them. They're at a, it's they're at 90 losses now, or 89, 90 losses at this point with nine games left. There was an off day. There was an off day after the announcement to let everybody sort of marinate on the news, and it gives Mattingly the chance to not have to be rushed to say the goodbyes to do all of that, especially for with a few of the guys in the clubhouse. You look at Miguel Rojas, for example, who has been with Mattingly all seven years here. Their relationship predates predates their time with the Marlins. Mattingly was Rojas' manager in L.A. when Rojas made his debut, uh, and like Dre mentioned with just the timeline of Mattingly's tenure here, you look through everything they went through. He comes in in 2016. He has Jose Fernandez as his ace. He has D Gordon as his leadoff hitter. You have that outfield of Giancarlo Stan, Marcelo Zuna, Christian Yelich with Ichiro as his fourth outfielder. JT Realmuto is an up and coming catcher. And yes, the minor league system was basically non-existent, but they had the pieces there. And you fast forward to year two and everything that happened with Jose, it was you fast forward to what happened with the Jose Fernandez stuff and his passing. And the fact that again, it hit us that Sunday when the announcement was made was six year anniversary of, of Jose's death in that the boating accident, him and the two others, it was, it felt odd when, when the connection was made with the timing, but then even Mattingly said when he was talking, he talked with Miguel Rojas pregame and he went and Rojas started talking about Jose and Mattingly went, wow, completely forgot that was today. Um, we're really doing this today. I'm really doing yeah. this today. And it was just wow. like that, the second, the secondary lingering effect of that. And the fact that he helped keep the team afloat through that, after that, right. he helped yeah. keep them aboard through the ownership change through the COVID pandemic where they had the outbreak and were able to get through to the playoffs in the 60 game season, keeping everybody level-headed as much as he could after the lockout ended with a rush spring training. And again, going, having to be that guy who, when the rebuild began, having to find ways to keep players upbeat playing for a purpose, even when they knew those early seasons were going nowhere. He right. was that steady, even-keeled, authentic guy who was able to keep people pushing towards a goal even when the goal looked out of reach and even as of now, five years later, still looks like it's out of reach or at least it's still it's still a distance away from when they were hoping that this year would be that, finally be that year. And yeah. that's why after 2019, even after a season that went to 105 losses, they extended him because they felt like he could be that manager who could keep the clubhouse afloat for the for that next push. Right. And, and we talked and we we wrote about that. I remember at the beginning yeah. of the season how that was rare. Remember when we 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 did a story comparing the you know rebuilds in recent years that have succeeded, and almost in every case, pretty much, it, the managerial change came right when the team took the leap into being either a playoff team or pretty darn close. That and that didn't happen here. They decided we're gonna at least give it a shot with him and see what happens. But but yeah, the the irony wasn't lost on me. I can tell you that on Sunday morning, I mean, coincidentally enough, it was on a Sunday when Jose died. And because I'll never forget the the morning getting ready to go to a Dolphins game 
in, in the news breaks yesterday morning. Coincidentally, I went to help cover for the Herald. I helped uh, cover the Dolphins game against Buffalo. And that's what was on my mind as I was driving in the stadium. It was like six years ago. Instead of driving to this place, I was at home and, and, and then driving to the ballpark because of what happened. And and I had the image in my head of, and then when the Mattingly news broke during the game yesterday, the, the image in my head was of Mattingly seeing him like I've never seen him before, never saw him before or since, and hopefully never again, just sobbing away like everybody was that morning, you know, just distraught completely of, you know, just something horrible that had happened. And then to think that six years later, it, it really it really brought to mind how how close that team was to maybe doing something. Maybe it wouldn't have lasted extremely long. Maybe it would have been like a two-year run or whatever. But they had something there, you know? And it wasn't that far off. And, and that's the shame of it, too, because that was the best chance to really, I think, since then, this process hasn't worked and not, not fully not to the way that they would have not even close to where they would have hoped but but that was the to me that that was the window you know when you had that core together when you look back on it now what a core it was and you know those guys still i mean yelich you know goes on and becomes an mvp himself and you know stanton still launching missiles into the stands when he's healthy you know and and you know, I mean, it's really a shame because we talk about we talk about Cy Young and Sandy potentially winning the Cy Young this year. Well, Jose, yeah, if number sixteen had lived, I guarantee you he would have won one of those. So, yeah, yeah. And then you look at again what happened transpired afterwards with the rebuild. Which again, Mattingly did not come to Miami expecting to have to maneuver through one of those. His goal was after being in New York as a player and, and a coach and then being in LA as a coach and a manager to, to the organizations that with the highest payrolls, he knew going to Miami, the challenge was more constructing the roster. And when he came in, like we said, he had the group and then it was learning what it is to basically see a team that doesn't really generate the payroll to have to build something from the bottom up. And he, he had the, deal with that side of it for five years and as the main the main thing was as we saw this year end of july end of june early july they were a game out they were a game under 500 they were winning that wild card race and who knows what would have happened if again this is going through the hypotheticals if jazz and if jazz stayed healthy if solar stayed healthy if those if they made that one extra acquisition or swapped some of the acquisitions that they made in the offseason who knows? Mattingly may still be here. They may decide to figure things out. But at the end of the day, as General Manager Kim Ang said when we got to talk with her on Sunday, uh, it's results based. It's a results based organ. It's a results based industry, and it's at the matter. Uh, let me get the exact quote from her. Uh, we're an outcome based industry. I think there was a lot of reflection that went on the last couple months on everybody's part, and Mattingly's. This the decision to not bring Mattingly back. This isn't the last move that's being made. There are going to be more changes. I directly asked Kim Ang going, when you look at the evaluation of where everything is, especially if the Marlins think that their record doesn't reflect what they have, which she directly said, does that mean more changes are coming up and down baseball operations? She simply said, yes. So yeah. when you look at where they are, yeah. Got to look at player development where the Marlins, yeah. yes, they've been developing great pitching, but they haven't, they've 
barely been a I the only player that I can say that they purely developed from drafting to getting up to the big leagues. The only name I can think of off the top of my head is Nick Fortes, fourth round pick from 2018. None of their other players who they've directly drafted from 2018 through now has legitimately proven they can hold a, that they are worthy of an opening day spot on next year's roster. Again, and that's Jake, your sort of starting slash backup catcher. So what does yeah, that tell you? Exactly. And when you look at their best thing, they've been successful with getting guys through trades. Again, we saw Sandy Alcantara. We've seen Jazz. We've seen some of these other pieces that have worked out, but that's from them getting guys who have basically already been developed. They just have to do the final bit of seasoning before they get them up to the big loops. So, no, you, I mean, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that 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 just shows you that, yeah, all those things that you said, like the Jazz injury and others and injuries to others like Soler and Garcia and everybody else, yes, that derailed the season, but it exposed the lack of depth behind it exactly. as an organization. And that's the problem. because, And that shows you that they weren't ready yet to 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 take that next leap not not really really because you can assume maybe they would have stayed afloat but who knows because injuries are going to happen injuries happen to every happen yeah. to every team i mean there's a lot of contenders right now that have dealt with a rash of injuries and either went through it you know took their lumps and rebounded and now are in the playoffs anyway and why because they had that reserve and they didn't and they didn't have that and that's and that's the issue and and, and that feeds right into what you were talking about, you know, in terms of player development and, and whatnot and moves that have been made. And then going back to Mattingly, I mean, yeah, he was he's the stabilizer, but to me that's not just to me, but like really that's what a manager is these days. Yep. You know, as we've talked about. He's not it it's not the it's not they're not calling the shots like they used to. So moving on from him Okay, you maybe want to have a new voice in the clubhouse, a little bit different. But in the end, that's not really the in the grand scheme. It's the changes they're gonna make or say they're gonna make that are gonna really dictate what direction this goes in the next few years. Yep. And on that note, the the next steps for the Marlins as they go through looking for the manager, no matter what, they have to have somebody in place by winter meetings when free agency stuff and all that yeah. really kicks off by December. Uh, yeah. Kim Anglin asked about the timeline and prototypical. If there's a prototypical profile they're looking for in the next manager, uh, timeline. Kim Ang's direct quote was, "We want somebody in as soon as possible to get to know the players, to get to help with our off season." But I will say this is a big decision for our organization. We have to make sure we take our time over the next however many weeks. We're going to be vetting and interviewing quite a number of candidates. We'll make sure to take our time. And as for the profile of the manager. Quote, we're looking for somebody to help build a culture in which we are relentlessly putting ourselves in a position to win. There are a lot of layers. We'll, through the vetting process, we'll get deeper. And she said that a manager with major league managing experience is important, but it's not necessarily a prerequisite, which is fitting considering the manager barely makes it, doesn't really make as many decisions as we alluded to with a lot of things being come down by the analytics department and what front offices the front office wants to see. So there's also kind of also kind of gives you a hint that they're not really going to bring in a big name manager. Correct. Which was to be which basically seemed to be the hunch from the start. Right. So for anyone with uh you know 
as for you know with anyone with uh with 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 grand hopes that that you're gonna land this headliner i don't know not not you know doesn't look like it I, don't I expect think, joe madden don't don't expect madden or gerardo correct. to be here correct that type yeah so that doesn't mean they can't hire a good one no. but it's going to be someone they're going to go that route where it's going to be probably probably someone young someone get their first chance maybe yeah. i would even suspect so yeah someone like that or someone who's been handling interim role has the interim roles or a high-end bench coach who's waiting in the yeah. wings yeah I mean, and it, and again, it could be a good one, but again, it's it's it, let's let's frame it how it really how it realistically is now in baseball and what the role of that job has turned into now. Yep, exactly. Yep, and then as for other things around the infield or on field situation, uh, Marlins or uh, Kim Ang said that they're going to be figuring out things potentially with on field staff, how that changes with Mattingly gone. But one person who I would basically be saying roll the Brinks truck out to is Mel Sidemeyer Jr. And make sure you find a way to keep him here with the way that, yeah. again, we talked about how great the pitchers are, but. It's not a big Brinks to, truck. I'm sorry. No, whatever the biggest Brinks truck that they are able to bring the out. Biggest there duffel to bag, the biggest duffel bag you can find, <laughs> which not, is I not going to be a, it's not going to be a huge uh, luggage, but Hey, I never, I didn't say that the truck was going to be full. I just said, bring the, bring the truck out again. <laughs> Again, you got to make the appearance and everything, correct? If they need the truck, that'll be impressive enough. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, but regardless of everybody who they have in their staff, Mel Stoudemire Jr. is probably the one that looks like the close thing to a must-keep from the staff yeah. if they're able to keep, if they're able to Absolutely. retain him. Yeah, the job he's done with the pitching staff is phenomenal. I mean, you, you just see it. I mean, the deficiencies really, the, the more glaring deficiencies on this franchise are or elsewhere the pitching i mean the, the the one worry i have is the just the pitching depth now in the minors not being as, as much as before but it's not a critical issue like we've seen with the offense obviously so yeah and mel's done a tremendous job you can see it in the way a lot of these guys i mean not just sandy but there's other guys braxton garrett's taken some leaps too and gotten better jesus um, lazardo jesus lazardo has because he from from what he was last year yeah definitely and now the one I'm curious about is Trevor Rogers. He had a bad mm -hmm. season, injury, banged up, but at the same time struggled a lot. What can if he's if, if Mel's there in this in this um you know with the new manager, what can he do to maybe get this kid back on track, pitching kind of like he did last year as opposed to the struggles he had this year? Definitely, yeah. And again, we're gonna be able to see a lot more of this once the offseason goes out, starts up, which about a week away, Dre. We got nine more games left to cover. Uh, two games against New York, in, against the Mets in New York. Four games in Milwaukee. Three games against the Braves, and then the real season happens for for this Miami Marlins team. The one thing I could say is, at the very least, you're on the road and, and have fun with that. And also the fact that you know the opponents too. I mean, you're gonna mm -hmm. you're, it, it, they're all playoff contenders or, or playoff already clinched playoff teams. So at least. You, at least you're going to get an up-close view of some of the best teams yeah. that will be in the postseason this year. Yeah, I'll get to see a good – I'll get to see the NL East race get, go down to the wire. Yeah, uh, going to stay in the yeah. NL East race because yeah. they're really going to decide it depending on yeah. who beats – you know, who they can spoil it for maybe. Yeah, and they could potentially either spoil or help the Brewers who are in that – who are just outside with Philly yeah. for that last wild card <laughs> spot. 
So they could That's be, right. they basically, they have a say in basically all three of the NL East teams competing. They have a say in all three of their races. Yeah, the, the scrubby the scrubby part of it is done now. They're done with the Nationals. Now now it's all contenders during the last the last lap here. So, yep. And for the Sandy Alcantara Cy Young watch, just because I feel like we're obliged to to <laughs> to touch upon it each each week. He's pitching Friday in Milwaukee, and when I asked Don Mattingly if he's going to make that start on October fifth, the last game of the season, Mattingly said. Unless he, until he's told, until they're told that Sandy has won the Cy Young Award, they are not having Sandy skip a start. So he will be on the mound October 5th. It's not necessarily, we don't know if he's going to be out there for a full game or if it's going to be more of like a ceremonial, let him pitch an inning and a third and let him get taken out to a mm-hmm. to an ovation from the crowd. But at the very least, as of the time of this recording, Alcantara will be pitching that final game of the season. Well, you want to see him, you don't want to see him duck the contenders. You want to see him take on these last two. I mean, it's going to be the Brewers and the Braves. So if he can get, if he can get wins on both of them and quality performances, to me, it's like, lock it up. You know what I mean? Like, like, don't leave a doubt, you know, the take them out now, you know, you're, you're, you're leaving that out there, you know, no, no, like step up and lock this thing up. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. No doubt about it. And we'll be able to see if he can lock it up over the next week. Uh, But for now, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Fish Bites. Thanks so much again, as always, for tuning in. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. We'll be back again next week for our final in-season episode of Fish Bites. Thanks so much.